0: I was on a vacation recently and stayed at an Airbnb, and then I realized that while I was away, my empty house could be making money, honey. If you're someone like me that is busy and not home all the time, your home could be an Airbnb, and it's actually pretty simple to get started. Even if you don't have a whole house, you could start with just a spare room. Bad With Money is the podcast where New York Times bestselling author, comedian, and bisexual icon Gabby Dunn breaks down everything about money and our complicated relationship with it. On Bad With Money, Gabby talks to journalists, activists, and everyday people about everything from universal basic income to student loan debt to weed. This season, Gabby is going international. The show dissects how Americans think about money and how money is valued by people in countries and cultures around the world. An all-new season of Bad With Money is out now. Find it in your podcast app and subscribe now so you don't miss an episode. Whatever struggles you're facing, from depression and anxiety to trauma and grief, BetterHelp can connect you with a professional counselor in a safe and private online environment. It's incredibly convenient. You can schedule secure video or phone sessions as well as chat and text with your therapist. And anything you share is completely confidential. Best of all, it's a truly affordable option. Our listeners even get 10% off your first month with the discount code JVN. So why not get started today? Simply go to betterhelp.com JVN and fill out a questionnaire to get matched with a counselor you'll love. Yes. Welcome to Getting Curious. I'm Jonathan Van Ness, and every week I sit down for a 40-minute conversation with a brilliant expert to learn all about something that makes me curious. On today's episode, I am joined once again by the biggest expert of all experts in what it is to be one Tan France, where I'm asking him one of the most fundamentally important lifelong age-old questions, which is... Are you my teddy, baby? (laughs) Yeah. Welcome to Getting Curious. This is Jonathan Van Ness, and we have an incredibly exciting guest who I am the president of the fan club for, the vice president, the scribe, and um, I'm basically, I'm the, I lead all of it, because I won't let anyone else in the club, because um, I'm too obsessed. Don't you say anything before I'm ready. The first question I have, and it's the most important one, is yeah. this? Yeah. Is how in the world, in fact, I'll say this: is it true, Tanny? It is true. You're the number one fan. <laughs> no, not that. Is it true what they say? It is. My hair is naturally gray. No, <laughs> it's that you're a tanny baby. A No, you're a little baby. Little tanny baby. Is it true that you're a little baby? It is. How old were you when you knew that you were a little tanny baby? My mama used to call me tanny baby. Did then I, she? No, of course she did oh. not. Did anyone ever call you tanny baby before me, yeah. too? You are the first person. Really? Yeah. I'm surprised
1: by that. Which is frustrating for one, only one reason. Now, other people. In my DMs and on my comments, think it's okay to call me Tanny Banny. Well, that's how people think about calling me Jackie.
0: Nobody calls you Jackie. They know that is my right alone. Um, So no one ever called you Tanny? N- no. So when did, what ages, okay, of all of your ages. Yes. Um, What age were you when you went the most from dark hair to gray hair? Like what year did it really? Switch?
1: 17.
0: I remember I, very distinctly. At no, 17. I disagree because I've seen a picture of you with a flat iron swoopy fringe and your hair was very black.
1: It was the back. You can't see you couldn't see it from the front. I'd never noticed it at the back so much. It all it started so prominently at the back when I was at 11, 12. but then when I hit seventeen, I remember my boyfriend who had started dating saying wow, you are so rapidly going gray. And I was like, no, I'm not. I've got like a three or four. And I'd never had one of those three-way mirrors. I'd never seen what the back of my head looked like. And yeah, it, I had gone so gray. So when did the front start to go? Not until my 20s, not until like 2021. 20, and it was it was really slow. And then earlier on today, I realized just how shocking rapidly it happened. Because when we met... The front of my hair was actually pretty black.
0: No, it wasn't. It was. We literally saw a photo this morning. You no, it's been all. Boy. It's been like this since I met you.
1: No, it's not. I'm going to show you that photo again. We literally had this conversation. Session, we literally had this conversation.
0: <laughs> no, you in and the someone else did, and morning. I didn't agree. Yeah, out of your mind. I didn't agree, even though it was factual. Um, okay, so now I'm going to start asking you real questions. Please. So the last time we had you on Getting Curious, it was June 18th, 2018, which feels like a lifetime ago. It was a lifetime ago. That was. Uh, about five months and like a week before um before the midterm elections. Yes. I had uh huh, which is interesting. Yes. So um I I said that quietly so you guys wouldn't know because I was talking shit. Um yes. <laughs> so um <laughs> yes, so much has changed. So naturally tan came out uh 2019. June. June 2019. So by the time I was interviewing you. In June of 18, had you started working on it yet? I had. I literally started like two weeks prior. So it, you're a New York Times bestseller. Yeah. You were also... Sunday a, Times bestseller. yes. Yeah. Um, and so, like, how was, the, how was the process for you? I mean, do you... Well, first of all, you said that you didn't love me, that you didn't know that you were going to love me so much in the very beginning, which I got asked about it way too many interviews. So next time you write something about me and your goddamn book... Isn't
1: that nice though, hearing how much I love you now?
0: No. You're a liar. Because you've always loved me, and you just made that story up for clickbait, Tanny Tanny. <laughs> okay, yes. so anyway. Yes. So please. naturally, Tan.
1: Yes. It was—you
0: wanted to know what it was like to write it. Well, I just wanted—like, I mean, other than that fake news that you put in there about yes. not loving me so much right at the very beginning, <laughs> you know, you really took one out of good old Trump's playbook for that one. Um, So—but the rest of it was a masterpiece. Thanks. I— You will know this, or no, I'm positive you'll know
1: this. You go into writing a book thinking, yeah, it seems simple enough. I'm telling my story like that should be simple enough. I found it so hard. And it wasn't necessarily that I couldn't think of the things I wanted to say. We had ample and it was deciding which ones we were going to take out. It was confronting the things that you have worked so hard to forget Channel out, suppressed. Uh, yeah, for for your uh, for your comfort, for your protection, for your for your sanity, and so working. Uh, my first chapter of my book starts with um, life as a child, and it's amazing how now thinking back, uh, when I was writing the book, thinking of how I felt about it, and now it's really dictating how I move forward. I, I mentioned to you, and you know this. I started a new Instagram account, and I it, and that all stems from how I was feeling when I wrote the book, the things that I thought that I hadn't thought for 25 years, forgetting that they hurt me so, those things hurt me so badly. It does bring up so much more stuff than you ever expect. You go into it thinking, yeah, I'll write a book. I'll just tell my story. It's so not that simple. And you know me, you know, I'm not as emotional uh, as our uh, castmates. I don't cry uh, as often. Um, And it's something I've struggled with for years. I would love to be able to let that emotion go it I just struggle with that, but writing this book, I worked with a writer um and we would Skype for four or five hours at a time, a few days a week. The amount of times I cried on that call on those calls was shocking to me i' I do
0: not remember those things affecting me so greatly as a child. um, does that make you did that did that change your perspective on? Well, what is your perspective on like therapy? I've never been to that. I think it's wonderful for people who
1: know that that is going to benefit them and they want to go. For me, I'm such a private person. Discussing those things with anyone I don't really know very well doesn't work well for me. Instead, I talk to the people closest to me. I talk to my husband. I talk to my sister. I talk to my best friend as I would a therapist. Uh, and that's what I've always done. I, I
0: don't really keep anything from those people. Um, So, but it basically like kind of talking about a lot of that pain and a lot of that trauma coming up in the United Kingdom Mm. and coming up as a person Mm. of color and a member of the LGBTQ community was like, you're like, this is, there's still some residual pain here. Yeah, like I wouldn't have ever imagined.
1: I left England. You know, the funny thing is so many people when I go back to England to do press, they say, don't you miss England? Wouldn't you love to move back here? Like England's always home. To a certain degree, it is. I love England. I think the country is beautiful. I think it's full of wonderful, wonderful people. However, my experience was different to a lot of people's. I I suffered some very intense racism from the time I knew how to use words. I suffered racism, and so my experiences and oh, I can't wait to live back in the UK. I I understand how beautiful it is. I understand how wonderful it is. But for me, my experience was always quite negative. I felt attacked so regularly. Even if it didn't happen every day, I knew that I always had to be wary of it. That within a few days, somebody's going to
0: call me something disgusting on. On public transport. Did you feel like that was different? Because you are from Doncaster, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, and then you moved to London later. Manchester first and then London. So you moved. Oh, yeah. I just went to Manchester for the first time. Did you Is, go to uni there? I did. Isn't it lovely? You did? Yeah. It's beautiful, huh? So, it's yeah. a course so you were in Doncaster till you yeah. were 17. Yep. And That's then you went to uni. went p- to Manchester. For 17, like 21. Till 19. And then. Finally, you're in Manchester.
1: Locked was that where you went to, like did you go to fashion school? I did in Doncaster. You did? Yeah, uh-huh. And then I went to Manchester and then I was in Manchester for about 4 years. My family ended up moving as well. Apparently they just couldn't live without me. So I moved for a year, <laughs> then almost all my family moved also. Um and then I moved to London. And London, I didn't have any of those issues. You've been to London often enough to know. It's very mixed. like there isn't much racism. It's not very often. I experienced that. actually, I don't remember a time I experienced that at all in London, but moving up, not further up north, to a place where the, the communities were so divided, it got even more problematic in Manchester. Mm. So you went Doncaster, Manchester, London, and then you went back to Manchester. Then I came to America. Then I went to Manchester for
0: a heartbeat. And then I went came back to America. So about, the okay. last time you went to Manchester, yeah. after having experienced London, yeah. you were like, yikers.
1: Yeah. I think I'd forgotten just how bad it was. And it was one of my first days. And the funny thing is, after we shot Queer Eye, uh, my family still lives in Manchester. After we shot, shot Queer Eye, but the show wasn't out. Um, I, the bus is often faster. They have a separate bus lane. So the bus is often faster than driving uh, yourself. And so I got on the bus and within 10 minutes, I, I don't know why I thought, oh, my life's different now. I'm shooting a show, I'm in entertainment, people are going to leave me alone. Somebody called me the P word, which I'm just going to say it, you should never say this, but Paki is the word that they use against us, which is a disgusting word to use against us. Somebody called me a Paki within the first few
0: minutes and I just thought, wow, I guess it doesn't matter what's happening in my life, that doesn't stop. And so like... In a way that someone would, like, if I walked past them and, like, on a bus would be, like, faggot. Yes, exactly, exactly. It was such venom. And do you think—and that was—so that was in a post-Brexit world, where you were done with done with Queer Eye. Oh, I don't remember exactly it, Well, the they voted on Two it. Two years it was ago? Voted on, Two and a half years and ago? it was voted on before Trump. So—and we had filmed Queer Eye after Oh, Trump. wow, yeah, then. Yeah, so that yeah, was a yeah. post-Brexit wow. world. Wow, okay. So do you think that the—so— um, I would say, I mean, I only got... I haven't been to London and, and the United Kingdom as much as I wish that I had. Yeah. I went once in eighth grade for like three days. Yeah. Then I went um, for like 10 days when I was like... In 2016, it was like during the election. It was like the second presidential debate. I was there. I was, In fact, I was there from like October 15th to October 25th. And I was yeah. really tripping because when I was just back... I was basically back at the exact same dates, but three years later. And I was like, wow, my life is so unrecognizable from what yeah. it was. But... Having gone back this last time, having been your friend and, you know, knowing you yeah. so much, it, I mean, it did make me, I was, like, noticing on television, there's, like, definitely, I don't think that there's the same amount of representation of no. people of color Agreed. on telly that there is here. Yeah. And um, also, I noticed a shocking amount of transphobia and yes. non-binary phobia. Yes. I'm um, just very, like, gendered- um, a very gendered existence yeah. in the United Kingdom. I,
1: see, here is the thing. I think that it, I think something similar is is going on here. I just think that the Brits, and you know this from me, we're just a lot more comfortable saying the things we want to say, so we just don't mask it or hide it as well as uh, a lot of Americans do. Which I don't know what's the better thing. I, I actually, for me personally, it's it's better in the U.S. where. Even if you have something disgusting to say, often you won't say it. And I think that we're a lot more comfortable with just complete, candid comments in the UK where if they don't like somebody who's trans, they don't like somebody who's gay, they don't like somebody who's brown, you'll most likely say it.
0: But they don't like that because they're racist and transphobic. Yes. Yeah. It's not like they don't like the person because they're an annoying person. No, 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 no. It's purely for surface issues. So do you think that the factors that led up to brexit and like led up to donald trump do you think that those are similar phenomenons between the united kingdom and the united states having like lived in both places
1: yeah i think i think people who are surprised by trump's win or by brexit um have probably lived in a very different world to me uh they have a different existence to to what i experienced and i've found that with most people of color that i know we, we kind of do giggle when we, uh, when we find that uh, people are so shocked by this because we've known how racist um, these places can be. We know how homophobic these places can be. And so Brexit doesn't surprise me. Trump doesn't surprise me. I think what surprises me most is that it's taken so long. It disgusts me.
0: But it, it, I think the surprising thing is that it took so long. Okay, I want to just do two really fast commercials, to everyone, and then we're going to be right back with more Tam after the break. Around here, we're all about expanding our curiosity, asking questions, and experimenting. And that's also the kind of mentality we like to get on board with when it comes to our wardrobe. Whether you're after a classic or a sophisticated look or something that's kind of out there and eye-catching. Try new things from some of your favorite designer brands from The Outnet for up to 70% off until you have a closet filled with clothes that make you feel your fiercest. The Outnet is the number one destination for fashion lovers, offering luxury fashion at exceptional prices. It does all the hunting for you with over 350 of your favorite brands, including Chloe and Valentino, all curated in one place. So all you have to do is pick the pieces that you love the most. Getting Curious listeners will receive an extra 20% off when you enter the code JVN20 at the shopping bag on theoutnet.com. Terms and conditions apply. Visit theoutnet.com slash curious for more details and use the code JVN20 for an extra 20% off your purchase. If you follow me on socials or listen to Getting Curious and Pretty Curious, then you'll know I've been on a real makeup journey over the last few years. I've especially been enjoying a more colorful eyeshadow moment, and I've been loving incorporating Thrive Cosmetics' full line of makeup into my routine. With clean, skin-loving ingredients, their foolproof products make it easy for any skill level to apply. One thing that's really major about Thrive is how much they're prioritizing giving back. It feels good to know that when I support Thrive, Thrive turns around and supports the communities around them too. I also love that their high-performance formulas are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free and have zero parabens, sulfates, and phthalates. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash curious. That's thrivecosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash curious for 10% off your first order. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them ever take their first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Having built a business or two myself, I know just how difficult the whole process is. But Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Yes! From LLC information to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC information plans using our link taylorbrands.com slash jvn that's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S.com com slash jvn so start your business journey today with taylor brands they always say trust your gut but one time my gut told me to bleach my eyebrows and that was fashionable but not widely well received while probiotics can't help you with most of your gut decisions it can give your gut a little bit of support And Ritual has your back. They made a three-in-one supplement with clinically studied prebiotics, probiotics, and a postbiotic to support a balanced gut microbiome. Did you know daily disturbances like poor diets, stress, travel, the use of certain medications, and plenty of other factors can throw off your gut microbiome? Oh, no! Enter Ritual. Their Symbiotic Plus has been a gorgeous tool. There's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash curious. Start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash curious for 25% off. In the brand new book, Dear By Men, Author, peer counselor, and creator of the hashtag Bisexual men Speak, J.R. Youssef offers an unapologetic guide for readers who are Black, mask, and bi. The book features cutting social analysis, personal stories, and reclaims bi-plus visibility in a culture of erasure. It also offers practical feedback on how to unlearn internalized biphobia and homophobia, fight back against erasure and stigma, Navigate sex, dating, partnerships, marriage, friendship, and much more. It's available now wherever books are sold. North Atlantic Books is offering listeners 25% off plus free shipping. Purchase Dear Buy Men at www.northatlanticbooks.com and use code CURIOUS25 at checkout for 25% off and free shipping. U.S. mailing address required. Welcome back to Getting Curious. So, okay, so for um, white people listening to this mm-hmm. that have not experienced racism, because I think, you know, I think it's it's just being white, honey, it's uncomfortable when you realize that, like, other people don't have it as easy as you do. Mm-hmm. So you just had the example of you being in a bus after we were filming Queer mm-hmm. Eye. When you were growing up, is there any story from the book or any, like, other example that just to explain, like, what – someone like you growing up in, like, Mm -hmm. in a Dancaster, would potentially have to say, like, or have to deal with, like, at a grocery store, like, at school, or, like, with, like, some other child's parent.
1: Yeah. Uh, This was was the most common uh, experience uh, as a kid was, so, my mom had to work a lot. My dad had to work a lot. I mean, most parents do, but they had to have a couple of jobs they were first generation immigrants they were immigrants and so uh, they couldn't take their kids to school they had many children they couldn't take their kids to school and so we had to make our own way to school and so but by the age of five we're in first grade in England we start uh, um, kindergarten earlier And so I was in uh, first grade and my, every time my brother was sick, my brother and I were the only ones who were in first school together, middle school, my elder siblings were in. So my brother was the only one who was in first school with me. Uh, If he could, the school was seven or eight minutes away, two streets, so easy. It wasn't unsafe to go as far as cars or whatever were concerned. So really easy to get to school. My other, my brother was sick. I would get this feeling that no five-year-old should experience where I would start to feel physically sick myself. My mom thought that I was lying. No, of course you're not sick. Like You just want to be off school because your brother's off school. You want to play at home. No, that's not the case. But I felt too silly or too insecure saying to my mom no there's a much larger reason why i don't want to go to school today and the reason was i knew i had to run to school that day i had to hopefully find a lady with children or a lady on her own that i could walk next to so people would believe that i was with that person so those grown-ups wouldn't hit me there was a situation when i was seven was walking to school this was quite common but this was just the experience i remember um these kids who were in I'm going to say college, so probably 18, 19, kicked the shit out of me and I was seven because I was brown and I didn't run fast enough getting to school. And that's the difference when we talk about uh, people not understanding what it's like to be brown. It's not just, well, I really don't, I don't look like a lot of people that are in, in my town. No, it's, it's literally, will I get to school safely as a seven-year-old? Will someone beat me on my way to school purely because I've got brown skin? And I learned this tactic very early on, early on of trying to reason with people. The fact that a seven-year-old has to try and reason with 18-year-olds not to hit him in the face because just because of his skin is disgusting. And that's, that was our version of, Childhood in England. And so I love that I'm, I'm from the UK, but having to constantly be aware that you have to stay close to a lady who could protect you is a real sorry state of affairs. And I've got nieces and nephews who at that age, that's too young to be aware of your skin tone.
0: Do you think it's still like that there?
1: Yeah, I do. I uh, So I go home to England regularly. You, you you and I were just there a few days ago or a couple of weeks ago. And I was having this conversation with my uh, my niece and nephews. It's like, do you still have to run to school? And they're like, yes, stupid. We we live in England. And I don't know why that shocked me. What was nice to hear was that they did say that um, nobody cares, that... Uh, there's, there's gay people in school thankfully that's moved along like you wouldn't pick on a gay person in school because there's no reason to however the racism hasn't gone away
0: So for people that live in like London, Manchester, like more, you know, urban centers Mm -hmm. of London, especially like white people that live there, what would you say to people that like, there's not racism here? Like, you know, America's really Mm -hmm. racist. Like, they have a Mm -hmm. lot of that going on there. But like, we're actually really not racist here. Do
1: you know the funny thing is, Jonathan, is that I hear that a lot from the Brits. Oh, gosh, can you believe you got Trump? There's so much racism there. I'm like... Yeah, we have the same here. Like, you just don't see it. What I will say is that use that, use that luxury that you have to feel like there isn't racism and ask, ask somebody who isn't white, how can I help? How can I help make this easy for you? What can I do? If somebody'd asked me that as a kid, if somebody asked my mom that as uh, when I was a kid, I'm sure she would have said, if you see somebody say something to my son, run to him, help him. If you hear your friends or family say something disgustingly offensive, instead of just being polite and thinking, well, they're not saying it about me, and they'll they'll move on to another conversation soon enough, call them out, check their arrogance, check their racism. And it can be done in a diplomatic way. I know that a lot, a lot of people aren't confrontational, but just start a conversation saying, hey, why would you think it's okay to refer to that family as the Paki family down the street? Maybe Just use the full name. That's not appropriate to to refer to them that way. There's little ways of encouraging people to think differently about how
0: they interact. So it's basically using your white privilege to like combat the racism.
1: Yeah, uh, the thing is uh, my community and every other community of color doesn't get to move forward by us saying, hey, can you please not call us Paki's anymore? Please not hit us on the street. That happens by strong... White folk standing up to their own people saying, I've seen the light. I've realized how disgusting this behavior is. And I, and you're, they're not going to win you over because you don't respect them enough to listen to them. But you respect me because of my beautiful white skin. Therefore, I need
0: you to hear that that's not okay to do to them anymore. Um. So, yes. Um, also, I think one thing that I followed immediately and have been very much liking all of is... Your new Instagram account, Shaded, yeah. which basically you mentioned it a little bit previously, but you were writing your book and then you get this idea.
1: Yeah. I uh, So when, in part of my book, um, I it, it, just one moment in my book, because I didn't want to belabor the point because I was too scared to talk about it. Remember, I started writing my book in June. The show had been out for three months. There's already a lot to process without having to try and be an activist in any kind of space. You're more strong-willed than I am in that space. I was too nervous about it. I just thought people already are making comments about my religion, my skin colour, my sexuality. I don't, want any, I don't want to rock the boat anymore. Um, but then writing this one comment in my book really sparked, started to spark something. I mentioned in, in my book that around about the age of 9 or 10, I stole my cousin's bleaching cream. And started to try and bleach my skin. It lasted a few days. It was very uncomfortable. It was actually, it irritated my skin so badly uh, that I, I stopped immediately. But again, I the sad thing is, uh, the media r- seemed to really twist it and make me seem like the devil. I was nine. I was nine. I didn't know that that wasn't okay, that I should embrace the beauty of my skin. All I knew was people hated my people. And in particular, when I was going to school, me and therefore I need to solve that problem and that the way I solve that is by being whiter but it wasn't the sad thing is it wasn't just the Caucasian community who was causing me issues and let me preface it by saying there were wonderful wonderful white people in my community people we loved so much people I still love so much it was a very very small sector of the community But what I will say is that it wasn't just people outside of our community. It was people in my own community that made it very clear, in my own extended family that made it very clear, you're too dark to be considered attractive. And there was conversation in my household many times. uh, If you are too dark, you're not going to get a good job. Nobody decent is going to marry you. We've got to find a way to lighten you up. At one point, I hit my... Uh, my, my sister's mother-in-law say this recently, and my grandma said it to me also. Well, the, I see the problem with Tan. Like, we know where the problem is. He's got his dirty skin because he keeps eating chocolate. Like, his dark food is making him dark. And it's a very older mentality, an archaic mentality, that what you're eating is encouraging your skin tone. And so they encourage my my family to continue to feed us lighter foods to lighten us up. Um, and so that kind of pressure from a very young age, knowing that I've got to find a way to lighten up, I've got to find a way to present as white as possible. Otherwise, I'm not going to be successful in life. That really screws you up. And so I mentioned it in my book. And then it really got me thinking uh, about how this happens so regularly. The majority of the TV that we see uh, in, in Asian households is not Caucasian TV it's not Hollywood it's Bollywood and we always see the lightest fairest people who are our stars and they are considered beautiful it was I don't even remember a time there was somebody darker than me who was represented who was attractive and then I started to think of western TV and uh, where's this coming from I mean this goes this has gone on for centuries but where, where, where is it happening now and I thought
0: we are responsible really quick everyone me and Tanner on a secret project right now and like a secret bunker that I can't tell you where it is. But if you hear rolling, if you hear <laughs> voices, if you hear speakerphone, don't worry. That's what it is. Jumping right back in.
1: And so um, I, I started to think, uh, who else has a responsibility? Entertainment. Entertainment is often, Hollywood is often at the forefront of pushing movements, pushing activism, pushing boundaries, encouraging people to think differently. Yet, It is so rare you see a person of color, especially a South Asian person of color, a Middle Eastern person of color, an Asian person of color, depicted in a way that is seen as desirable. They either get to be terrorists or a taxi driver or a doctor, non-sexual, just a doctor or a lawyer, somebody hyper intelligent, the best of a, a, a person, the best of a community They don't get to be a complete person. And I was watching TV and I started watching TV a lot and movies a lot thinking there's got to be one person that is in there. And I saw a show and that was somebody was described as Indian man, a very handsome Indian man called Nikesh Patel, who was described as handsome. And somebody was talking about how sexy he was. And I sat there emotional. I didn't cry, but I sat there. I felt it so deep in me thinking I've never, ever seen this before. I've never seen a western show describe a, a south asian person as anything other than just a person this person is seen as a complete person he gets to be desirable how is this the first time i've ever seen this and it is 2019 and so i started digging further and then i had a very strange interaction I'm not going to say names, uh, obviously, but I had a very strange interaction with somebody, and uh, I have this show called Dressing Funny, and uh, and I get to dress comedians, and comedians are sometimes more open and vulgar than we get to be on our show, our show Queer Eyes, a PG show,
0: and uh, I was talking about being a comedian, and obviously in our history, you've seen me be (laughs) yes, pretty vulgar, very, and I'm incredibly vulgar, also.
1: And so the, uh, John Mullaney was being quite vulgar. So was Pete Davidson. And I was joining in. And I was making sexual comments uh, and uh, and swearing a lot. And somebody mentioned at an event, they were like, we've seen dressing funny. And here's the thing. if you If you want to really be successful, you need to stop that. Like, yes, let that comedian be sexual. Let that comedian be vulgar. The world isn't ready for you to be sexual or vulgar. <clears throat> you get... You get to be those other things that... He said, you get to be the idea, the ideal. Like, you're the first one that has really shown that you uh, run the gamut of emotions. You run the gamut of what it is to be a person. Don't push it. Like, why would you take it to that level? Nope, the world's not ready to see you as that. America's not ready to see you as sexy or sexual. You know
0: what I love? Is yeah. Unsolicited advice from fucking love, strangers. Love, so, love unsolicited so, you advice. It's you know what you should do is tell me... Tell me what uh, the people that are following me hand over foot, and like yeah. all the people that are like obsessed with me, and I can't even like go get a damn coffee because <laughs> I'm so attractive and my hair is so fucking gorgeous, the <laughs> volume is, and don't even get me started on my body. But no, goes, I can't believe someone
1: literally said this to you. It was a person of color, because they said Look, I've experienced it. You, do, it's a really, really bad move, and it's the the quickest way to get out of this industry is by rocking the boat like this. Like they've allowed us in, maybe stop.
0: Which is like, lol, tell that to you and your other 17 shows that you're booked, bitch. <laughs> booked and busy, bitch. I, you can't help it.
1: I was so angry. Like, you know how sometimes you'll say you just want to do a table flip? I wanted to do a table flip more than I've ever wanted to do a table flip saying, nobody gets to fucking tell me the version of a person I get to be. Nobody gets to tell me that I shouldn't be swearing. Nobody gets to tell me that I shouldn't talk about sex if I want to talk about sex. I get to be the complete person that every white person is allowed to be on western television. They get to talk about their emotions, why can't I. Um, And so that literally the next uh, week I started Shaded to start a conversation saying I want to encourage people to talk about, what if you want to talk about sex, talk about sex. If you want to talk about the fact that you feel desirable because of your brown skin, wonderful. If you are darker skinned and you love your darker skin but people are making you feel shitty about it, let's talk about it. And really the main reason I started Shaded is because I'm so desperately trying to find a way to make sure that People aren't allowed to sell these products over the counter anymore to say, oh, here's a way, here's a way to correct. And I'm saying actual correct. I'm using my words correctly to correct your skin tone, to brighten your skin tone. There's nothing fucking wrong with my skin tone. And if I could, if little 7 year old Tan could see himself today, he'd be shocked because I was very upset by my skin tone and now it's the thing I love my love the most about my appearance I love my skin tone and
0: I want other people to feel as beautiful as I do with my skin Mm. we're going to be right back with more getting curious with Tam France right after the break it's what you've always dreamt of you started your own business you have no boss you are the boss but reality check I'm not British and running your own business is hard Thankfully, HoneyBook makes it easy. HoneyBook is an online business management tool that organizes your client communications, bookings, contracts, and invoices, all in one easy-to-manage place. It's perfect for freelancers, entrepreneurs, or small business owners that want to consolidate services they already use, like QuickBooks, Google Suite, Excel, and MailChimp. With HoneyBook, you can automate your busy work. They have easy-to-use templates for emails, proposals, brochures, and invoices. They also have e-signatures and built-in automation to save you time and get you Paid faster. Simplify your to do list and stay in control with Honeybook. And right now, Honeybook is offering our listeners 50% off when you visit honeybook.com slash JVN. Payment is flexible, and this promotion applies whether you pay monthly or annually. Go to honeybook.com slash JVN for 50% off your first year. That's honeybook.com slash JVN. Welcome back to Getting Curious. This is Jonathan Menes. So the first time I ever saw a bleaching uh, product was in the Philippines. I was there with my cousin like a long time ago. And I remember seeing that and thinking like, this is weird. I feel like I've never seen a a bleaching cream in the United States. Like I, so, um, I mean, so there is irritants in these creams that actually can bleach your skin. Yeah.
1: And... Uh, Reports suggest, data suggests that it can cause major, major health issues. Um, And so uh, the fact that, I don't remember what you call it, is it FCC? Um, FDA. FDA, sorry. Um, FDA hasn't regulated this. Well, you know what's interesting about
0: that is the FDA can only legally, they can only regulate uh, skincare if there's SPF because it's like an active... Uh, ingredient oh. from like a medicinal standpoint, oh. but if the if bleach or whatever the lightning agent is doesn't have like a medical directive, yeah. then the FDA isn't subject to it. That's terrible. It's the same thing that in the United States we haven't passed any any laws related to personal care products since 1938. I heard that. That's why that is like that. Shocking. But I'm surprised that in the United Kingdom, which has a much more stringent... I'm surprised too. But people are benefiting
1: from this massively. You, anywhere you go, I just got back from the Middle East, there are billboards everywhere about lightening, uh, lightening skin. They found more cunning ways now to do it, as opposed to making it so disgustingly crude and crass as, let's whiten you up. Now they say brightening
0: cream. Again, the, it's a, it's one and the same. I have a question, going yeah. back to what you were just talking about. Yeah. Was the person of color who said that, were they British? No. Not American. British. American. So I guess what the reason that I was going to ask that is, do you find a difference in... Um, because I was wondering I was like why would this person say that like are they like jelly that like they didn't have the courage to to Mm -hmm. approach their platform in the Mm -hmm. way that you are Mm -hmm. or that they aren't getting the accolades that you are like was it like was it coming from a fear based place
1: I I think so I don't think they were being hyper judgmental of me I think that this person like many other people of color have been told by their parents grandparents it is so ingrained in us I don't I don't think I know any person of color who hasn't been fed this crap by somebody in in their community and so I think this person and was just regurgitating what others in our community might think. Calm down, like let's not scare, uh, let's not scare either the people are, who are lighter than us or the white communities by showing them a
0: version of us that that may be scary to so them. So that's what I was going to kind of ask. It's like I don't know, really know how to say because I don't want to say it the wrong way, but it's like. Do you have you encountered in your activism people of color who seem to side with the side of the oppressor? Yes, saying uh, uh, so. uh,
1: It's funny. I don't often check my DMs on my uh, personal Instagram, um, but I'm so
0: busy taking all my dick pics that you don't have lot of time to (laughs) do that stuff.
1: (laughs) I mean, personal photographer. Uh, (laughs) But um, I uh, I, just to
0: be clear, I only send tan butthole pics and torso pics because he's a big top, and I I don't want to. I was also
1: being clear. He makes me take his photos. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't it <set> <laughs> next to Tani. I'm just
1: kidding. Um, uh, no, my, my issue, my issue with my uh, shaded account is when I look at the DMs. A lot of people are really angry that I'm talking about it, saying, "Why? Why shouldn't you let us whiten our skin? Like we don't see what the problem is, or why shouldn't people lighten their skin? It makes them more beautiful." I think that they've, we've been so conditioned over literal centuries that we've convinced ourselves that. Absolutely. These people are right. There's this um, term that we use in Hindi, also Urdu, which are a couple of languages uh, that uh, which are a couple of languages that I speak. Um, And it's when a child is born, you ask, uh, you often ask the the parent skin safe, which means is their skin clean, which is saying how white are they? Are they white enough to be acceptable to our community literally that is the direct translation how clean are they or are they clean enough um and so i think that the reason why people are angry or frustrated that i'm talking about this so openly especially on a western platform is that they're saying we don't want them to think that we're causing trouble we don't want them to think that we're not happy with our skin tone but white is right that couldn't be more archaic that couldn't frustrate me more it's not right it's just we've been convinced that that's right Uh, And so my goal Let me tell you My goal (coughs) Shaded Is to encourage people To see this differently But my real goal is And if it takes me 10 years It takes me 10 years I want to I I want to stop People uh, selling this product They will It will always be available In the black market I want them to stop Selling it legally And I want for people To see that as something that is never ever an option for them because i think as long as it's available they'll think well it, it, it maybe is the thing i should uh, i should correct because there's a product that corrects it No, I don't want you to see this as even an option for you. It doesn't matter that you're the darkest one, you're in your family like I am. It doesn't make you less of a person. It doesn't make you less successful. It doesn't make you less desirable. And I want to tell you one more story. I go to China. I used to go to China a lot. As you remember, I owned uh, a few businesses. And the lovely factory owner, who was a really nice guy, he didn't mean this offensively. I uh, I used to go there regularly, and I used to have to pretend that I was straight. Oh, sorry, that I wasn't married uh, because I wouldn't be able to get my visa to go and do my my job. And really? Yeah. And so I I put um, I put a single, uh, even though I'd been married for quite a few years. And so this factory owner, lovely, lovely man, he once said very calmly, "Well, of course uh, you're single. Um, you've got that undesirable skin color. And I smiled, and I was like, "Mm-hmm, yeah." Uh-huh that's that's the reason why nobody married me is because I'm undesirably colored. Uh-huh. Um and so often in China and this happens in in, in Middle Eastern countries and South Asian countries whenever I visit somebody inevitably will offer me an umbrella because I'm one of the very few people who won't try and shield my face from the sun because I actually quite like getting a bit of a tan. They do not like it. They know how wrong that is for their culture.
0: So you've got like, you know, a large swath of, like, white people who would have never known that this existed or that, like, this was even an issue. Yeah. Then you've got, like, um, a lot of people who probably partake in skin bleaching like it, mm-hmm. want to do it more, makes them feel more desirable or whatever. And your thing is kind of like calling into question this per, this perceived beauty as being yeah. whiter in the first place. Yes. Which I think a place where I've talked about it a lot and I see it a lot and I've been thinking a lot about it is for women of color in the United States that are told to only like white straight, you know, white texture yeah, of yeah, hair. Yeah. Straight hair, blow dries. And yeah. we're seeing like women all across this country losing their hair to traction alopecia, yeah. spending all this money to make maintain hairstyles that like are not native to their hair. Like if I wanted to have, you know, really, really tight kinky curls and Mm -hmm. I was like smothering my hair in a wig every day and braiding my hair to sew, you know, tight Mm -hmm. kinky curly hair onto my braids to have that illusion of that kinky hair, I'm going to experience alopecia. I'm going to experience all sorts of stuff. I'm also going to spend a whole bunch of money finding the hair, maintaining the hair, as opposed to celebrating and loving what you have. And I do think that there's like that universal adage of like, you know, happiness is like wanting what you have yeah. instead of like trying to change yes. it to be something else. Yes. But there is a whole industry and there is so much money to convincing people that they are not mm-hmm. the as they should be. Yeah. Like with this, you could feel more like that, yeah. you know? So I, 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 there, the, the, this isn't the solution. Absolutely. This is not the but, solution. Uh, th- but let me ask my question. Yes. Sorry. So for people that are suffering, you know, from a trauma or from an experience of believing that like their skin wasn't the right enough color or have experienced, I mean, obviously treating your skin, uh, topically and then like experiencing racism like day in and day out and mm. physical and, mm. you know, emotionally abusive ways I feel like are, maybe all under the same canopy, but like far away in the same, it's like different, but it's like for people that are healing, uh, from this, how have you healed? How would you Mm -hmm. say to like mothers, to parents, to older siblings that are going through this, um, and also because we do have like seven to ten minutes left, the yes. more rapid fire. Yes, yes, yes. What would, you say, what would you say to families that are trying to heal from this? Or maybe to people that are waking up to the fact mm-hmm. that this is like a whitewashed mm-hmm. beauty existence and yeah. that it's like not what needs to be celebrated. Yeah. Uh, f- uh, for me, uh, honestly, what helped
1: was uh, we talk about allies a lot and we, we've talked about it for the last couple of years. But this actually was important to me, my white allies, the people that I was dating they, for the first time ever I, I was described as beautiful by them and so I started to view my skin differently and then I started to surround myself with other people who were of that uh, of that mindset of you do not need to whiten yourself up, your skin tone is beautiful as it is uh, and I'm not looking for a Caucasian hero, I'm not looking for a Caucasian knight in shining armour who's going to make me feel beautiful but honestly for me that was very helpful to finally hear you do not need to look whiter for this uh, and, and now that I'm in a privileged position to be able to have this conversation to then pass on that message to others I, I simply want them to know remind your children remind your siblings that the color that they are is perfect just the way they are yes there is a version of beauty that the beauty industry suggests is the most attractive but there are also many others that it, that are attractive just in a different way and you need to find the pocket of community or people that are going to love and and respect you for exactly who you are you having darker skin will not hinder your success in this world it absolutely will not as long as you have strength of self and you know just how beautiful your skin tone is and stop looking to those influences that so massively encourage you if you are finding that a lot of your Instagram a lot of your Facebook, whatever, is uh, is stuff that's encouraging a certain kind of beauty, stop clicking on that stuff and it's going to change your algorithm and you don't need to be reminded constantly that your skin tone isn't right. And so there are ways of working with the the, the your tools around you to stop thinking the way you're thinking, to start to encourage a different mentality by surrounding yourself with people who will love you for just who you are and the social social media can cause so many issues for so many kids we know this that is their main outlet if that if you know that you're seeing things that are encouraging you to be lighter or that your skin isn't right remove those block them start to do yourself a favor
0: don't be the reason you're unhappy that's really good so basically i hear you saying like surround yourself with a close circle of people that you know, you love and you trust. And that takes a certain amount of like vulnerability and Mm -hmm. courage to even like find those people in the first place, but you have that. So that's good. So like, keep doing that. The other thing I want to say is, is, um, for this is like, I hate to, well, okay. So uh, you have 18 other shows that you're hosting. You have dressing, (laughs) you have dressing funny with tan France. Yeah. You have, um, next in fashion. How much do you miss me when you're on other shows?
1: Uh, like you would not believe actually it really is hard. Going but from, you miss me more than everyone else, I right? I do, I do. No, I was about to say it's hard because you, if not, if nothing else, I know at any point on queer, I can turn to you and you're going to have something important to say, something fun to say. You are like my safety net. And I'm usually very comfortable on queer. I've always got something to say. But if I struggle for a moment, I know I can turn to you and you've got it. It's hard when you don't have... That person, Alexa is incredible. I'm not talking about. That. I'm talking but about. But she's dress- no me, dearie. I miss you all the time, dear. <laughs> I'm talking about dressing funny. Dressing funny oh. is just me. Yeah, it is. Is very hard. I don't have that person to be like. I know that somebody's going to say something really funny, and it's. Jonathan Van Ness, um, it, it it got very different. I miss you a but lot, but that must be fun. It's so fun, and it's 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 nice pushing yourself, thinking I don't have the crutch of four other people. I love the other shows so
0: much, but there is such a comfort when I come back to queer. I thinking at least I know that I've got the support of everyone else. So next in fashion, I know how it is when you're you know hosting a Netflix show, Queen. Like you can't give away too many like yeah, dates you know. and important stuff. But like, what can people kind of look forward to? Is the competition fierce? Like, but like when you met everyone, yeah, were, like, did you have any clear favorites, or were you like, this is really anybody's game? Is it a nail biter?
1: Oh gosh, can't I, maybe I. Can't, oh no, I. I this is my personal opinion, so I'm gonna say this. I think I knew very early on. I would not say it was when I first met these people, but when I, within the first few weeks, I, I think I sensed who was possibly going to get to the final. And were you, you correct? I absolutely was and you were I was there you were there and we can share this it was
0: epic. Really epic. Like the... the next level epic. <laughs> like Next level epic. Because how long do they have to do the finale? Four days. Yeah, that is really unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, and so here's the thing. We've seen fashion competitions before, and I didn't know
1: how ours was going to be different. And I wanted to make sure that ours felt new. It felt fresh.
0: It felt exciting for the younger audience too. Well, I think having a person of color as a Pakistani yeah. gay man, yeah. I... You know, when I think of other, fa- I think a lot of white stuff. Yeah. And also I would say when I was in the United Kingdom, that really floored me. The first day I walked in and I know no one really watches like who wants to be a millionaire anymore in the United Kingdom. But I was floored because I saw three episodes because there's this one channel that like they only play who wants to be okay. a millionaire. Okay. And it was literally white dude, white dude, white dude, white dude, white woman, white dude, white dude, white dude, white woman, yeah. white white dude. Yeah. I saw three episodes in a row where it was like white host. 10 white contestants three yeah. times in a row. Yeah. I just don't think you would see that in America like so blatantly. No, I agree. And, and I do think that just speaking to back what, just going back a little tiny bit into Shaded, which I think you should follow Shaded if you're not already. You should. I'm really excited to see what you continue nice. doing with that platform because I think it's Thanks. amazing. Um, but I think so much of what you are doing when you were like, oh, I'm not as whatever as you in the activism space, I think you by being mm-hmm. an out mm-hmm. Pakistani, British, mm-hmm. Muslim, gay mm-hmm. man, married, You are setting such a beautiful example of being comfortable in your skin and accepting yourself Mm -hmm. where you are and celebrating that. So I hope you celebrate how much you are doing and how active you. you are and how many people you are a light to mm-hmm. and how loved you are because it Thank is you. very much next level. So then the other thing I want to just end up really quickly is, is you can never like anyone else on any other TV show as much as me. Of course. and But wait, wait I've got one correction. What's really a
1: small correction. With Next in Fashion, there are two non-white hosts. Alexa is actually um, half Asian. Her dad is fully oh, cute, Asian. Oh, Q cute, cute. Yeah, yeah. So th- I think that's shocking to have two people of
0: color as the hosts of the show. The other thing I was really surprised about in the United Kingdom was The, and this this is our last question, is the amount. The lack, the huge lack of understanding of transgender people yeah. and non-binary people. Yeah. The week that I was there, there was this like LGB group that basically formed a group like without transgender oh, so people because I know. they were like, you know, saying that like transgender people and non-binary people are taking away the hard, wa- the hard fought fights of gay men and lesbian women, which I just think is so funny because in the 60s and 70s, it was, <laughs> it was it's tra- always yes, been trans I know. people yes, I know. that have been doing the fighting. Um, what do you? What say you as a Brit? I'm just kidding. What,
1: I, what say I is I'm disgusted, and I, I'm, I'm such a proud
0: Brit. I'm such a proud Brit. Uh, however, but, that, my, that but makes my specific me really question is, what is breeding that within the LGBT? It, with, within our community, where is that coming I from? I so the wish Kingdom?
1: I knew, so I could just point it out and say you're coming coming across so ridiculously and how insane that you would think that this is okay to talk about or to or to even think. I I don't know. I worry that it's fear based. I don't want to. I don't want to say well they can't help themselves. They're just scared because that sounds like an excuse. But I worry that it's fear. I worry that they think well we've moved far enough where gay rights uh, are a little stronger than they were. 20 years ago, we can get married legally now. I wonder if they think, well, we've moved out from the pack. We've set ourselves from the pack. So we don't want to be brought down by um, a community who
0: are still so actively trying to fight for their... just. Equal rights, even civil rights. I also think governmentally in the United Kingdom, with that Margaret Thatcher law, that like you weren't allowed to yes. teach like anything yes, in yes, schools yes. about LGBTQ stuff. Yes. I think that that has had very long-lasting, really like Agreed. complicated implications on. Agreed. But we have—I don't think you're allowed to talk about that in the U.S. And that was in the yes, case. you are. There's there's no really there's no oh. law from the federal government oh, that says okay, that okay. you okay. cannot cheat. I mean, teach. I learned Some about all sorts of stuff wow. when I was—I mean, not all sorts of stuff, but it wasn't something you could not talk about. Wow. Okay, okay, okay. Um, like but, I did a reporter and Rudy Glindo in like third grade okay, you know okay, okay. it just it, that was in the 80s it just I, even if it was a law we've moved
1: on so much I can't believe that people from our community are trying to drag uh, the trans community thinking that they're hindering us it's a really sorry state of affairs and I would love to actually hear the rationale
0: yeah I, well I think it's yeah, um, I think you'd probably get dumber if you had to, like, sit yourself down and listen yeah. to it. But um, I love you so much, Tan. I love you too. I um, to do do you, this. Is there any, like, yogi recess that you need to say or anything? No, not at all. That was it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I have one for you after this. I love you so much. Okay. Bye. You've been listening to Getting Curious with me, Jonathan Van Ness. My guest this week was Tan France. You'll find links to his work on the episode description of whatever you're listening to the show on. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Curious with JVN, and make sure you're following Shaded by Tan France. Our theme music is "Freak" by Quinn. Thank you so much to her for letting us use it. If you enjoyed our show, introduce a friend and show them how to subscribe. Getting Curious is produced by me, Julie Carrillo, Ray Ellis, and Colin Anderson. Our socials are run and curated by Emily Bossick.